Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, pleased to join you today from our studios here in the near south side historic district of beautiful downtown Grand Forks. And uh, I'm usually joined by my classmate, uh, fellow priest of the diocese, Father Jason Leffer. Uh, he is unable to be with us today, so it's just uh, me, it is just I, Father Gross, uh, doing the um, the solo version of the program here today with the wonderful guests that we're going to be visiting with over the next couple of hours. And I'm so grateful that you have taken the time to join us this morning here on Real Presence Radio. Um, and uh, later this month, uh, as we can say, uh, July now, we are halfway through the year. Later this month, Father Leffer will be uh, hosting a program, I believe it's on the last Thursday of uh, July, from uh, a site on location uh, near his parishes in Walsh County. And uh, I unfortunately will be unable to join him for that. So he'll get a solo chance for those of you who are waiting to uh, listen to Father Leffer. He'll be coming up in about four weeks. And then later on in the summer, the uh, duo will be reunited. So Father Leffer and I will be back together uh, hosting as as we usually do. But uh, I'm ready and raring to go. The boiler is stoked. I've had my oatmeal and uh, so I'm ready to ready to have these uh, wonderful conversations and to lead us through uh, concentrating on the blessings that we have. Um, I think it's tempting for a lot of people in radio, depending on what side of things they're coming from, to um, do a lot of venting and complaining and, and things like that. But uh, there, there's more than we, that we can do besides that. We can uh, invoke uh, the name of our Heavenly Father. We can entrust ourselves to, uh, to Christ uh, and ask him to deepen our relationship with him. And so, as we celebrate today in the church the memorial of St. Junipero Serra, we're going to be speaking about him in our first segment today, but I'd like to begin with a prayer that is taken from the liturgy, the opening prayer for Mass for this uh, memorial today. And so I invite you to join me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who by your ineffable mercy have been pleased through the labors of your priest, St. Junipero Serra, to count many American peoples within your church, grant by his intercession that we may so join our hearts to you in love as to carry always and everywhere before all people the image of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Saint Junipero Serra, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
this is a memorial that um, has existed for some time, but uh, Saint Junipero Serra was recently canonized uh, about five, it will be five years ago this fall during a pastoral visit that Pope Francis made to the United States. And as we begin today, as we celebrate this memorial, I'd like to welcome to the program a guest from the uh, Diocese of Fargo, joining us from our Fargo studio, Mary Hanbury. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you. It's great to be back here this morning. It is good to hear your voice. Now, um, you are the uh, director of catechesis, one of our uh, beloved colleagues in the Diocese of Fargo. And without uh, without divulging too much, I guess you would say, I was just trying to think. Um, I, I celebrated my 21st anniversary of ordination. And if memory serves, you've been with us in our diocese for a, a good portion of that time, maybe the majority of that time, if not more, right? Yes. Actually, I'll be celebrating my 20th February 1st so I'm on 19 and a half years there isn't that something wow you know (laughs) (laughs) yes yes definitely and um the first thing I wanted to to talk with you about as as we are um, going to be speaking about the uh, missions and the work of Saint Junipero Serra uh, you I think have become uh, known to a lot of people in our listening area uh, because of your work in assisting and leading in religious pilgrimages Yes, yes, and I, I led some for Real Presence Radio. In fact, we went out to the California missions, uh, was it last year, um, to the northern missions, and um, I did a couple of trips out there as well, and yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's been great. Yeah, so in addition to that, I know there are a lot of uh, folks in my hometown of Napoleon who have gotten to know you from your accompanying uh, graduated high school seniors on uh, pilgrimages to Rome and, and various yes. other places that like that. that was fun too, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now as as everybody knows, uh, a lot of that had been thrown, you know, up in the air with regard to um, uh, the current pandemic and nations trying to get out of it and stuff like that. So um, have there been... Have there been plans and things that you had in the works that you've had to retool as far as that goes in traveling? Yes. In fact, we had a Real Presence Radio pilgrimage scheduled to go to Rome this past March. Um, oh, and we were, we were close, but we, you know that two weeks before, it was not looking good. And by the time we canceled, which was about a week and a half out of our trip, um, by then the flights were canceled. Everything was shutting down. Um, it went fast, mm-hmm. basically. So right. they're still not letting Americans in to Europe. Um, they were they just decided that they think they voted on it yesterday. Um, so they're going to review it every two weeks, but we're not sure when Americans can go back to Europe. That's just it. If a person were to embark on a trip, maybe, and to have gotten there before everything had shut down, heaven knows when a person could get back again and, and right, various things right. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I speaking for myself, when I think of uh, travel and various pilgrimages and things like that, I see myself perhaps even wanting to do it more so than I did before, because you never know what might happen that would derail things. And, <laughs> right, you, you know, right. you want to you be able to do, uh, do that traveling while you're able. So um, when you think of, I guess, for lack of a better word, a bucket list of certain pilgrimage destinations, places you haven't yet been to, what kinds of places are coming to the forefront of your mind? Oh, that I haven't been to? Yeah. You know, I was telling somebody this yesterday. I've always wanted to go to to Germany, um, especially Aachen, for some reason I want to go see where Charlemagne was. I want to go mm-hmm. to Turkey, um, to the, the early church fathers' sites, Cappadocia. I'd love to go to Egypt down the down the Nile River there and see, you know, part of the Egyptian ruins and things like that. 
Um, I've never been to Fatima or Guadalupe, so I do want to do those two Marian shrines too. And I want right. to get back to the Holy Land. I've only been there once. Ah, uh, yeah, that that's one that's very yeah. near the top of my list. I have not yet oh, uh, been to the Holy Land, so go. yes, yes, I definitely need to 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 try to pencil that in at some point too. Also, um, the the next World Youth Day, which I believe was pushed back a bit and is going to be happening in 2023, yes. is going to be in Lisbon, and uh, so there are a lot of people I think who are going to be doing side excursions either to Lourdes, Fatima, Compostela, places like that. You know, as long right. as you're in mm-hmm in that part of the world. So there are a lot of different opportunities and we just, we just pray for the, um, uh, for, for the improvement of conditions so that uh, people will be enabled to, to continue to um, uh, walk in the footsteps of our spiritual fathers and mothers, you might say in the church and in various places throughout the world. Yes. And I think uh, come next year, we're all going to be backed up and doing lots of trips. I am doing a trip to Poland next year in summer. So I'm hoping that will work. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I was just visiting with somebody who, um, uh, uh, whom I had accompanied on our diocesan pilgrimage uh, to Krakow for World Youth Day in 2016. And we were commenting on how, you know, it wasn't necessarily hot, you know, there in the summer, but it was humid. Hmm. And uh, yeah, North Dakotans, uh, you know, could, uh, could could really relate to that in a sense in terms of the difference. Uh, we were visiting with people from, you know, Florida and Georgia and stuff who said, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. It's so refreshing. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Poland was a respite from the, uh, the heat of the Deep South and stuff like that. Okay. So um, July 1st, we are on this memorial of the... Um, uh, of uh, St. Junipero Serra. So um, uh, can you just uh, get us started out by uh, telling us a little bit about uh, who this man was? Sure. And I love this saint. Of course, I love a lot of saints. I'm kind of like the saint girl. But so who is he? <laughs> he was, he's Spanish. He's from the island of Mallorca, off a little island off of Spain. He was mm-hmm. born in the year of 1713. And his parents gave him the name uh, Miguel. So he, a uh, very holy little child, at the age of 15, he was already discerning he wanted to become a priest. And so his parents, who were poor farmers, and uh, they, he was the only son, some of their children they lost in infancy, they reluctantly let him go and they sent him to be tutored uh, by the local priest. And it was uh, sometime later that he then discerned that he was called to the Franciscan order. And so he entered and took the name, uh, well, you could say Unipero or Unipero, it depends where you're at from California, how you say his name. Both are correct. Um, He took the name, and that name comes from a companion of uh, St. Francis. So I don't know, um, I know you're like about my age, but maybe people who remember back in the 50s, there used to be this comic strip of brother, uh, maybe people said Juniper or Unipero. Um, You might remember him, um, for those of you who remember that kind of thing. But that's who this, he was an actual person. He was a friar of, or a brother of St. Francis. And he was known for his humility and his simplicity. And um, and so that's who young Miguel decided to take the name after. Right. The Franciscan uh, influence is strong. When you look at the California missions, many of them, you know, Santa Clara, San Francisco, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, San Juan Capistrano, uh, who was a, um, a Capuchin Franciscan friar. Uh, so, yes, Majorca and Minorca, uh, rendered from the same roots as the English words major and minor, a larger yeah. and a smaller island, relatively speaking, off the coast of the east coast of Spain, Barcelona. And uh, after his ordination, um, he spent a few years... I believe he was teaching at the University of Padua before coming over to the New Land. New, yeah, uh, he had a doctorate world. in theology. He was a smart guy. 
Yes. He earned that doctorate in 1742, and he became a professor. So yeah, he taught at a local university. He um, he could have lived a very comfortable life there. I mean, he absolutely was by his family and his hometown. But he he felt a calling, and he had a desire to be a missionary. And so he volunteered. There probably was openings of coming to Mexico. He volunteered in about 1749 to go to Mexico mm-hmm. to be a missionary. And at the same time, oh, at the time, too, he was reading about, a lot about the lives of the saints. And so he's very inspired by their lives and giving up their lives for, for preaching the gospel, basically, in foreign lands. So at the same time, one of his students, who had, had then become uh, a Franciscan priest as well, Father Paulo, had also volunteered. And so the two of them traveled together, and Father Paulo remained with um, him for pretty much the rest of his life. And he's the one we get all the information from because he wrote his uh, biography. Yeah, so uh, after discerning his vocation, being ordained, receiving some of the best education that could be offered, I, I just think it's really important to kind of hit on that point that you made a moment ago, Mary, that uh, he, he could have lived a very uh, tranquil, you mm-hmm. might say, uh, life either in academia or as a pastor of a parish, but this um, heart of a, of a missionary was just really burning within him. And, um, you know, we'll, after, we'll be stepping aside in just a couple of minutes for a break, but uh, we'll be talking after that about some of the, the complications of what life was like with the, yes. the colonization in, in Spain and Portugal and stuff. But, uh, you know, to, to have that um, desire to bring the gospel to a place where it had not been brought before, you know, when there were all of these tangible things in terms of worldly comforts, relatively speaking, that, uh, you know, that would be available. It really speaks volumes to the decision that he made. It, it really does, too. And he was 36 when they set off sail and um, never to see Europe again. He And it took about seven weeks. I think they stopped at Puerto Rico first before they landed at Veracruz, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And from there, he still had 270 miles to go. And the Franciscan way was to walk. So the two of them walked instead of taking horses. But it was on this journey that um, he got bit by something. They, you know, they don't know if it was a snake, some say a mosquito bite, that he scratched and scratched. Well, anyway, infection set in and then ulcers. And so he had that on his leg for the rest of his life that um, he really suffered with. At times he could barely walk because of it. It, was, it would get reinfected or whatever. But So that was something, the suffering he carried with him just from that walking journey to get to Mexico City. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, they, they didn't have the, uh, they might have had some home remedies, but there yeah. was no uh, off disinfectant or anything like area <laughs> repellent, anything to be able to use. And so that brings us to his arrival in the new world and the beginning of this wonderful missionary life that he continued to live. And so if we'll hold that thought for a moment, we'll come back to that uh, discussion about the uh, saint whom we're remembering today, July 1st, Saint Junipero Serra, as we are visiting with Mary Hanbury from the Diocese of Fargo. More about uh, Father Sarah to come after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. 
We can't wait for you to see what's possible. And we hope the future brings you here, close to home, at mountmarty.edu. Have you forgiven those who have hurt you, especially those who abandoned or left you after taking their own life? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus says that you can only be forgiven by God if you forgive others. It is one of the most important things you can ever do. For if you don't, you are jeopardizing your own salvation. When you refuse to forgive someone, you are not hurting them. You are only hurting yourself. Forgiveness is a critical part of the healing process, which includes forgiving yourself. Also, forgiveness may not be nearly as difficult as you think. So join us and learn how to forgive, and God can fully forgive you through His love and mercy. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross joining you today from the Diocese of Fargo. And remember that you can tune in to encore presentations of the Real Presence Live programs that air during the week on Saturdays, beginning at 6 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, as we play those programs in order uh, from Monday through Friday as encore presentations. So that's one more opportunity. You can also download podcasts of the programs that you hear on Real Presence Radio, um, either by uh, downloading the app or going to our website at realpresenceradio.com. We've been visiting here with Mary Hanbury, who is the Director of Catechesis at the Diocese of Fargo, about the legacy and the life of St. Junipero Serra, a Franciscan friar, a theologian, a professor who uh, gave up a, a very predictable sort of life in the early 18th century in uh, Spain and Europe in order to cross the Atlantic Ocean to come to Mexico and what were at the time territories of Mexico. So after landing at Veracruz, making that uh, nearly 300-mile trip by foot to Mexico City and kind of getting their bearings, he eventually was sent out to the territories of Lower and Upper California. And uh, let's, let's pick up the story there. Sure. So um, before I want to mention that, uh, it's important to note the the Spanish government at this time. So there was no separation of church and state. And so the Spanish crown was sending expeditions out to Mexico to colonize, basically. And so, Mm -hmm. so much so that the Pope even gave permission to the crown to decide how these missions were supposed to be, the Catholic missions were supposed to be run. The crown even appointed their own bishops. So there was no separation. So St. Unipir worked within the Spanish government, not always liking their decisions, but um, the two were kind of paired together. So as we go on, so he uh, mm-hmm. he gets to uh, Mexico City and he stands at the College of uh, San Fernando, which is 
if you want to think about his home base that's already established. And he, he spends about nine years there, actually, going to different missions. And so this is where we see some of the, um, the established missions in Texas, Upper Mexico. The Jesuits had been there before, had already established missions. And so at this point, he's just being sent out to missions that are already established, preaching, working with people, uh, things like that. Uh, it, so he did that, like I said, for almost nine years. Mm-hmm. It actually was nine years back and forth. So, um, although I got to tell this story, though, one of the trips, though, he, he was coming back to the home base in Mexico City, him and, and uh, Father Paulo, and they, uh, they miscalculated their time. They miscalculated how much food they had, and they were going to end up spending the night in the open field. And, you know, he got bit already by some little creature there. So they're coming along at night, and they see a house. And uh, they go, oh, let's go ask people if we can stay there. And so this family lets them come in. They're very hospitable. It's a father and mother, a little baby. And the mother's cooking them food. And they're talking about how um, they're shepherds. And they're just so hospitable and nice and gave them a, a lovely place to sleep. And in the morning, they got up, and the family was gone. They just assumed, well, they're shepherds, so they must be out with their flock. And so they left. And uh, they knew this, the exact spot, though, because this is a, a well-known spot by these particular trees that everybody knows. Anyway, so they get back to Mexico City, and they're relating how they stayed with this family in this area. And there's like, there's no house in that area. Should prove it. So go back, and there's literally no house in that area. Oh, so goodness. the story goes, it was the Holy Family that hosted them. Um, mm. One of the miracles that accompanied him during his life. Yeah, at a time of uh, one of the times of greatest need that they were able to find a, a divine source of hospitality, in a sense, you might say. So that that is, that is wonderful. Um, so uh, Father Sarah uh, eventually takes up, you know, and we said within the framework of the uh, the conquistadores, uh, yes. you know, colonizers yep. and things like that, to um, establish these missions in various places. Um, the ones that perhaps are best known are throughout uh, regions of coastal California. California, and some of these are still parish churches to this day that people in that vicinity go to, you know, as their parish community. But let's talk a little bit about what the um, identity of a given mission would be, like uh, what the place would look like, what um, what kinds of activities were happening there. Sure. So um, even the missions that were established were, it was... Uh so you, you'd build something, so build a, a community, and there'd be different uh, little huts or whatever. And the churches back then were pretty rustic. They had thatch roofs or whatever. And uh, you would invite the Native Americans in. They're always invited. They're not forced to come in. And then they would teach them. So they would teach them farming, uh, bricklaying, metalworking, uh, cooking, uh, rearing stock. Um, they wanted them to become self-sufficient and support, be able to support themselves. And at the same right. time, so that was the idea of the colonization that Spanish government was very much in tune for. And at the same time, the priests were there to, uh, to raise them in the faith base, baptize them, which was always their choice too, and to raise them in the Catholic faith. Now, um, there's all kind of controversies with those as far as, you know, were they forced or were they not forced or, you know, that they weren't forced. But at the same time, they had to follow rules when you lived in the community. And there was capital punishment, which was common back then, actually, in, I think it was common back here in the 50s. I mean, teachers could use capital punishment with their students. And so... Corporal punishment corp- yeah, is what sorry. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Not capital. They didn't kill people. No. no that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, right, right. Yeah. And so they did. And so I know we look... People are looking back now going, oh my gosh, he was, he was abusing them. But that was sort of common around the world, basically. Right. Um, and so they, there were rules to live by while you lived in community in the missions, and they had to follow them. 
And, and a lot of people are conflating things, claiming that what the missions were about were you know, subjugation and enslavement right. and, mm-hmm. and, and those sorts of things, like with all of the controversy that's going around and, uh, you know, about uh, the legacy of um, St. Junipero Serra. And one thing I guess that's important to say is that, first of all, as, as you mentioned, that this was um, uh, an invitation to a way of life that would uh, build a, a foundation for the peoples, uh, no matter who they were. Um, you know, what influence or lack of influence they had, what language they spoke, that sort of thing, um, you know, for generations to come. And it, it, it's also good to remember that, uh, you know, when we talk about the, the efforts of a missionary, you know, we're, we're bringing a gift that we ourselves do not produce, but that is uh, too wonderful not to share. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so mm-hmm. if, if you don't believe that Christ, you know, saves you, basically, then, you know, yes, this, this looks like an, an enormous imposition, but it's a, it's a matter of, uh, you know, bringing the light of, of the gospel of Jesus uh, to people. And, you know, ultimately, the um, derision that's being directed toward missionaries like Sarah is a derision, uh, you know, a derision of, of that very philosophy. You know, like if everything is, if every worldview is equal, then, you know, why would we do such a thing? But as Christians, we need to remember the importance of bringing the gospel to the nations. Right. And you hear the controversy, too, that the white people brought in the diseases. But you have to realize that this time, this was going to happen. At this time, as they're heading up the coast, you know, they start down by San Diego. That was the first mission, which was already established by the Jesuits. The Russians were actually coming down from the north. They had a camp in Alaska and were starting to come down to do mm-hmm. the same thing. And the English were also had their boats off the coast, too, looking to do the same thing. So development was going to happen. Who got there first, you know. Um, the, thing, the different thing here, though, is uh, you have to realize that the Revolutionary War is going on around the same time here on the other coast. And typically, when a country or a region takes over, they go to war, right? So Mm -hmm. this was very unique that there was no war. It was sort of just establish and then invite, basically, and let me teach you. You know, it is fascinating when you look about the when when you look at the kind of history that um, uh, you know that accompanies these places. That you might immediately think of the thirteen colonies and the Revolutionary War, but during that time and well before it, there was uh, the establishment of churches in Santa Fe. You know, in the early sixteen hundreds, and what is now New Mexico, and mm-hmm. and these uh, various missions uh, along uh, coastal California. So he was moving. Uh, Father Cyril was moving up along various areas, and then eventually came back to Mexico City uh, toward the end of his life and was a uh, proponent for the rights and the welfare of the native peoples. Yes, he, he, uh, he was getting fed up, basically, with the Spanish government and the Spanish soldiers, and he was realizing things were not going well. And so with his bad leg, and this was hard on him, he traveled all the way back to Mexico City to speak with authorities, to saying, look, this, you need to give me more authority over the soldiers that need to stop bothering my people and abusing them and da da da, and they listened to him, and so he uh, he got the authority then to do that. I do want to mention, you know, his feast day. Usually, a feast day is the day they died, but uh, he didn't die this day. Today is his feast day. It's, it's when he landed in San Diego. It's when the expedition began. Wow! Okay. To uh, to start uh, bringing on the missions of California. He there's 21 missions in California up and down the coast. Uh, mm-hmm. He only founded nine of them before right. he died, but. He traveled quite a bit to uh, up and down the coast, though. Yeah, and uh, passed away. <laughs> and 
passed away in the year 1784, I believe, yeah, at, yeah. The, yeah, at the age of, of 71. But what yeah. a what a great legacy that uh, Father Junipero Serra has left and, you know, how it lives on in so many of the geographical place names throughout the Southwest in California that even if people don't have a personal piety, they're, you know, mentioning these these names of the, uh, you know, uh, saints and angels and, and things like that. And what a, what a great... Uh, Great investment that is. So thank you very much for joining us, Mary, and You're for welcome. telling us a little bit about this wonderful saint. And uh, it was great to have you. Great to have you with us here today, Mary. And uh, yes, uh, thank blessings, you. blessings to you and your um, and your continued work for the diocese. Thank you. And I hope most of you ever get the chance to go visit the missions. They are quite beautiful. They really are, yes. Um, you know, the, I think uh, especially of uh, Santa Barbara Mission that I've been to recently oh, yes. with a lot of the um, uh, kind of the romantic era art, uh, you know, uh, from, from Mexico. It's just yes. a great uh, display of that in, in their chapel. So Yes. Very and the good. art is beautiful and uniquely different. Some of those missions are, have museums attached too, so you can kind of learn what that mission was like. Very good. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, there are more great segments to come here on Real Presence Live. And up next, we'll be talking about trading our dreams of perfection for gods and how this is discussed in a new book by Colleen Campbell. And later, we'll chat with Sister Anne Ducart about her vocation story. All this and much more coming up next on Real Presence Live. 